Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. Hour number two of Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060 and as always online at KDOS1060.com as well as with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's Monday, it's May 8th. Bob Kemp is here in the saddle for hour number two as well as we get things restarted with the poll questions and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Are you surprised the Suns won games three and four versus the Nuggets? They held home court. The masses are out in front on the yes side of things at 67% of the vote. No sitting at 33%. Yeah, in case people missed it earlier, uh, the betting public was certainly surprised because this game went off basically as a pick yesterday. There was actually a couple offshore places where the Nuggets were favored uh, by the time tip uh, occurred yesterday. And uh, uh, so, uh, yeah, I guess it was a, a, you know, a good day for somebody out there. But uh, as far as, uh, you know, that game opened like three and a half, four and went off at pick in some places. That's a pretty drastic move in a 48-hour period. Over on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060, uh, who do you have tonight, ATS, in Los Angeles? Lakers minus three, Warriors plus three. The masses are still on the Warriors plus three side of things at 66.7% of the vote. Lakers minus three at 33.3%. Big thing about this game tonight is I'm curious to see what Steve Kerr does with his starting five. You know, remember in game two? Um, to Michael know, Green. was... Well, yeah, but Looney was sick. Remember, he, he, he didn't think he could play the whole time, and that's kind of why they went with Jamaica Green because you know, Looney was ill. Uh, they didn't even know if he was going to be able to play in the game, let alone play any long time in the game. So they stuck with that in Game 3, and you know, that was a disaster. Uh, also, Draymond Green had three fouls rather quickly in the Game 3. So, you know, what do they do? Do they go back to Looney? How's uh, – you know, is Green defend uh, you know, Davis again straight up to begin the game, even if Looney's playing? How are they going to go about things to start the game? We'll answer this question in its entirety around 1130 today. If you'd like to chime in, feel free to. We'll take your calls around 1115 today. 602-260-1060 is the number to join the show. Uh, so the Arizona Diamondbacks, they took two of three over the Nationals, but kind of an interesting swing of emotions here over the weekend. So you had Friday's start, which was Merrill Kelly in a 3-1 win over the Nationals, and it was good Merrill Kelly for the second straight start in a row. Seven innings pitched, four hits, one run, one walk, and ten strikeouts. That's true. He was tremendous. I think the big thing is the lack of walks, which was a huge problem for him at the start of the season. And I don't think there's any doubt, and I've mentioned this, and I know Rob Brendley mentioned it again on Friday night, that you know the fact that his spring training was disjointed. I'm going to use that word. I don't know if Bob used that word, but something, something along those lines because of the WBC situation and uh, so forth. But he seems like he's you know, at least throwing strikes now. Uh, and uh, you know, he doesn't miss enough bats except for Friday night. 
if he's not throwing you know, a consistent strike one and pitching ahead the count, that's probably not going to be the best result for him. Ten strikeouts on Friday night, albeit against the Washington team, which is next to last in the National League and runs scored. Uh, the good news, I guess, for the Diamondbacks is they now play the next three games against a team that's worst in the National League and runs scored in uh, the Marlins, who played a 14-inning game yesterday, which is the longest game in baseball this season, uh, against the Cubs. And uh, yeah, I assume, just watching that game yesterday, the Marlins' bullpen is shot. I would imagine they're probably even going to have to make some roster moves before tonight's game just to have a uh, you know, decent stock of bullpen arms. Saturday's win, 8-7. to seven. Tommy Henry got the start. Six innings pitched, six hits, two runs, two walks, three strikeouts. And then the ninth inning had five runs scored by the Nationals, two off Scott McGuff, three off of Andrew Chafin. But the bats for the D-backs were able to battle to tie it up and then eventually hit a walk-off in the ninth. Uh, I know that you are pretty much done with Scott McGuff. I've been done with Scott McGuff for several weeks, and I'm just completely mystified uh, why he continues to get the ball with lead in games. Uh, and that happened on uh, on Saturday night. He gave up uh, the home run before Chafin came in, and obviously that didn't work out particularly well either. Uh, but you know, the, he's a supposedly a ground ball pitcher. Uh, he's now allowed an alarming amount of home runs. He's given up five home runs and 15 of the third innings. His earned run average is up to 587. He has a bad whip. I mean, he's just not good. And uh, yeah, as I've mentioned several times here over the last two, three weeks, uh, this idea of him trying to adjust to these different ball from Japan, where he was successful as a closer, to you know, you know, Major League Baseball, uh, that excuse doesn't fly anymore. He had the entire spring training to figure this out. And he's had six weeks into the regular season, and it's just not working. Uh, then Sunday's loss, 9-8, to eight, Ryan Nelson. Five innings pitched, seven hits, three runs, three runs, one walk, three strikeouts. And it was the ninth inning again, a three-run home run given up by Miguel Castro. And uh, the Diamondbacks' bats were not able to rectify it this time around. Castro pitching for a third consecutive day. I know he only threw a couple of pitches on Saturday night, but still that's a kind of an interesting situation that most managers try to avoid. If not for an entire, there's been managers that have not used any uh, relief pitchers for three consecutive games at any point of the season. Uh, but uh, that was the case yesterday. And, if they don't get some bullpen reinforcements, either via trade or I can't imagine there's a whole lot of options in the minor leagues at this point, uh, you know, as bad as the National League is, I don't know if the Diamondbacks can even make the playoffs with the expanded playoffs if they don't make massive changes in this pitching staff. And really, after you get past, obviously, you know, you have you know, Zach Gallon who's going to pitch tonight against his former team in Florida, uh, here against Florida, his former team. And, uh, you know, we think that Carol, Kelly's figured it out, but, you know, really they don't have another starting pitcher that you can really depend on, you know, actually being successful from start to start. 
Uh, so we move into the NL West in the series between the Dodgers and the Padres, and the Dodgers took two of three against the San Diego Padres. The Padres did win Friday's contest 5-2 to two in Clayton Kershaw's start. He's been good. This was not good. Four and two-thirds, eight hits, four runs, five walks, and seven strikeouts. Five walks. Yeah, he couldn't throw strikes, which is very unusual. Also, yeah, Fernando Tatis Jr. hit two more home runs off of him, and I believe they said that Tatis has hit more home runs off Kershaw than any pitcher in his career uh, so far. Uh, so that's a Kershaw is, he does give up home runs. Usually they're of the solo variety. But uh, the Padres, I'm sure, were thinking, feeling pretty good about themselves after Friday night, and then uh, unfortunately for the Padres, uh, Saturday and Sunday occurred, and yesterday was uh, they had it set up. You know, two outs in the ninth inning. They have a one-run lead. Josh Hader has been really good uh, towards the end of last season, and certainly so far this season. Gives out the two-out homer to Mookie Betts, and then they give up three more runs in the tenth inning. Uh, for the Padres to be as good as everybody seems to claim they think they're going to be, you know, they need at least one more starting pitcher and a couple of bullpen or a couple of bullpen arms or things like yesterday and this weekend quite frankly are going to continue to happen again happen again and you know they play uh, the you know the the Padres and the Dodgers play again this upcoming weekend too for three more games by the way the numbers here for Tatis, he has 15 home runs in 38 career games against the Dodgers and four of them have come against Kershaw yeah, he's uh, you know, some pitchers and some hitters. Uh, it's an interesting matchup, and uh, yeah, and they're not cheap home runs either. So uh, you know, he's he's hit some moonshots against Kershaw over the last couple of years. Not this, not last year, obviously, but you know, back to a couple of years ago, and then certainly uh, on Friday night, it was like a, you know, kind of like a, a batting practice type of thing. The ball balls. Hit into places in Petco Park, which are rarely hit. <laughs> so a look at the NL West here. Now you have the Dodgers on top, 21 and 14. The Diamondbacks at 19 and 15. The Padres at 18 and 17. And then pulling up the rear, the Giants at 15 and 18. And the Rockies at 14 and 21. Yeah, I don't think, you know, I, I thought before the season started that the Padres were the better team. I'm not sure I think that anymore. Certainly, as the rosters are currently constructed, as I mentioned, if the Padres don't get some pitching reinforcements, I don't think that they're going to win the regular season against the Dodgers. Uh, the Dodgers have actually gotten players back from injury already this year. Obviously, Gonsolin is the number one guy on that list. And it looks like they're going to get Daniel Hudson back, a former Diamondback, at some strategical point. And yeah, I, do th I think that the original plan... Uh, for the Dodgers at this point, by this point of the season, they knew Hudson was going to start on the uh, the injured list. They start the season on the injured list, but I think they actually want him closing games. The Yankees lost two of three to your Rays. Friday, the Rays won uh, five to four. Saturday, the Yankees won three to two. But then Sunday, the Rays won eight to seven in extras. It went into the tenth inning, and Garrett Cole. Gave up a six-run lead. His stat line, five innings, eight hits, six runs, two walks, six strikeouts, and two home runs. Right. That's the first two home runs he's allowed this year, which is pretty amazing considering you have 30-some home runs last year. Uh, the other thing is, you know, I don't. I think the Yankees were undefeated in games that Cole had started this season. He had not lost a game, still hasn't lost a game because they didn't lose the game until late. They actually... He left the game when it was tied, 
Uh, but, you know, I wouldn't be alarmed about coal. What I think needs to be you know, especially alarming is the fact that, as I've continually mentioned here, they've had, as of last Thursday, they had 14 different players, different players uh, that had spent time on the injured list this season. They're going to get Aaron Judge back tomorrow, but you know, Carlos Rodon, who knows uh, how long he's going to be out. Now they're saying it a, he might have a chronic back problem. Last I heard, it was cortisone shot time, and they seem to think that he might need more than one cortisone shot if this doesn't go well immediately. Uh, so the Yankees are a physical mess right now. Everybody in that division has a winning record at this point, too. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But, uh, I mean, it's uh, you know, an uphill battle right now for uh, – uh, for the uh, for the Yankees, as far as the Rays, they have an interesting week this week. They hit the road. I mean, they've been unbelievable at home. And they they have, you know, as we've mentioned, everybody's mentioned, beaten up on some really bad teams uh, for the majority of their victories. But uh, now they hit the road. They play a, a series at Baltimore. And Baltimore had a very uh, in you know, fun series over the weekend. They ended up losing that series with the extra inning loss yesterday at Atlanta. But those two, those three games were really well played. I actually think more of the Orioles now watching them lose that series against the the Braves than I did when they were winning series against a you know, lesser competition uh, before the uh, before this series. And the Orioles uh, also have a really difficult schedule stretch uh, that started this past weekend against the Braves. So we'll see how they respond against uh, you know, more AL East opponents and. Uh, and uh, you know a few other you know top top teams that they have not exactly been facing thus far. Uh, to your point about the AL East here and everybody having a winning record, the Rays sit atop at twenty eight and seven, and the Orioles at twenty two and twelve. The Blue Jays twenty one and fourteen. The Red Sox twenty one and fifteen, and the Yankees at eighteen and seventeen. Uh, the Braves were competing against the Orioles over the weekend, and they took two of three over the Orioles. Friday, the Orioles won nine to four. Max Freed six innings pitched, eight hits, seven runs, two walks, seven strikeouts, and two home runs. Uh, as for Saturday, the Braves five to four and it was uh, Kevin Pillar with a pinch hit home run and then Sunday here uh the Braves 3 to 2 extra innings 12 innings uh so with all of this said though and the Orioles sitting at 22 and 12 should we start being believers in the Orioles I'm not uh sorry but I just don't believe in their starting pitching and their bullpen is pitched if not the most innings in baseball pretty close to it uh, I know at least at the start of last week, they had the most innings pitch of any bullpen in baseball, except for Oakland. And they, anything involving Oakland just doesn't count as far as the rest of Major League Baseball. Uh, for the NL East here, you have the Braves at 24 and 11, the Mets 17 and 18, the Marlins 17 and 18, the Phillies 16 and 19, and the Nationals 14 and 20. This division's over and it's finished. I mean, the Braves are actually getting healthier. I mean, they started the season with massive pitching issues. You know, 60% of their rotation has either been on the injured list or was on the injured list. They're getting people back now. Mike Soroka, who basically hasn't pitched for two years, expected to return to the major leagues this week. Uh, he's been on a rehab assignment. He's had torn Achilles in each of the last two years, uh, but he's expected to be back and yeah, he's a strike thrower. They still play really good defense behind him. They've also survived without Arcia at shortstop. He's now back from injury. 
Von Grissom is a, uh, you know, was a hot prospect a couple of years ago. He is a horrible, and I can't stress the word enough, horrible shortstop defensively. Uh, so you know, I don't know. I, I I didn't see the transaction yesterday. I'm not sure if they sent him back to AAA, but yeah, he cannot play shortstop in the major leagues, and he showed that last week, and especially in a couple of the games they played against the Mets last week, he just couldn't make routine plays even. Uh, so Garcia's back, and the fact that uh, Rafi Rocio Iglesias, their closer. Uh, did not make his season debut until last week. And he came back at the end of last week and has had a couple of impressive outings to start his season. Uh, this is over with unless the Braves just have massive injuries the rest of the season. Right now, I think that they're the best team in baseball. I know Tampa has this spectacular record, but considering everything that the Braves have gone through to this point and they're still this good, this is the best start of their franchise after X number of games in their history, uh, at least the Atlanta Braves part of that history. I'm not sure about Boston or Milwaukee, uh, but in the Atlanta part of things, they're 24-11. and 11. That's the quickest start uh, after 19 games ever. Uh, they've exceeded the 1999, 1997, and 1998 Braves, and obviously you know, all those teams won division championships. Uh, so you, we've been talking a lot about the Rays, and we've been talking a lot about the Orioles. Well, guess what? They play each other today. It's a Shane McClanahan start. He's 6-0, 2.03 ERA, 51 strikeouts versus Kyle Gibson, 4-1, 4.61 ERA, and 27 strikeouts on the season. Gibson's actually been the best starter so far for Baltimore. So uh, not the greatest numbers, but once again, I think their rotation is a big question mark. And uh, the Rays hit the road for three this week at uh, Baltimore, and then they play, I believe it's four, at Yankee Stadium starting Thursday night. Uh, so if you are the Yankees, though, like this is where you have to get your wins because you're welcoming in the A's. Uh, J.P. Sears up against Nestor Cortez today. Like This gets you off the snide, right, playing the Oakland A's? You would hope. Cortez has been hit really hard lately. Uh, and he also had a couple of uh, games earlier this season that he won where he didn't pitch great. Uh, so, yeah, certainly after yesterday uh, with the Cole thing, uh, they didn't win that game. Uh, that, uh, you know, we'll see. I know there's a lot of prop bets out there that the Yankees don't make the playoffs. And I know at least one person that is really into the prop bets thing. People might think I'm talking about you here, Kayla. Maybe you got involved in this too, but I know another person that's into prop bets. And he has already bet that the Yankees do not make the playoffs. It was not me. I did not join in on that fun. Uh, Rangers and Mariners here. John Gray, 1-1, one 4.40 one, ERA, 19 strikeouts against the Mariners. Uh, Logan Gilbert, 1-1, one 4.01 one, ERA, and 40 strikeouts on the season. Yeah, both these series, both these teams had interesting series over the weekend. You know, the uh, Rangers... Uh, who are amazingly a second and run scored in baseball. It's amazing to me because they haven't had their full lineup intact. Uh, obviously, Corey Seager's been out for several weeks now, uh, but they're still second in baseball and run scored behind only Tampa. And they uh, won two out of three over the weekend against the Angels, and they could have won all three, but they blew the game on Friday night. And then you had Seattle, uh, you know, they played against Houston, the first time they played since uh, the playoffs last year. And Seattle, which has had a horrendous time against the Astros, whether it be regular season or postseason for years, 
they won that series over the weekend. Uh, so we'll see what happens when they flop opponents now. But uh, you know, it's uh, you know, the Rangers are as long as their starting pitchers can stay healthy, and historically says that they're not going to stay healthy. Uh, you know, they're 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 good, and their offense has been surprising so far, considering. Uh, really, I'm not sure how many guys in this lineup are really all that good, but you know they've had a couple of players really step up that weren't expected to step up offensively. Uh, as you mentioned here, the Marlins are in town. Zach Gallen is on the mound for the Diamondbacks. He's 4-1, 2.53 ERA, 57 strikeouts, and Braxton Garrett's going for the Marlins. 1-1, 5.81 ERA, and 22 strikeouts. We'll take your calls now if you'd like to join the program. 602-260-1060. We'll talk to you on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. Turn those picks into gold. Wall-to-wall NFL coverage and the biggest stories coming to you from 3 to 5 p.m. The Rich Eisen Show here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. Monday, May 8th, here on KDOS AM 1060. It is the Extra Point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. As promised, phone call time, 602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to join the program. So we pop on out to the KDOS hotline. Tom, thanks for patiently waiting. What's on your mind today? Oh, man, what a game last night, huh? It was. That was a lot of fun. Were you there? No, I wish I was. <laughs> um, T.J. Warren, guess when the last time he shot a free throw was? Oh, game. gosh. Trivia <laughs> here. 2022? <laughs> yeah. March 28th. That was pretty yeah, close. Yeah, it's been a while. Free throws. Yeah, well, he yeah, doesn't take sure. the ball to the basket too much. He, probably, I, mean, I think he's maybe shooting too many threes, but uh, – yeah, you know, he was. Uh, he did some good things. He obviously made two big shots on Friday night down the stretch. Yeah, Shamit probably. He finally got some confidence, huh? Well, I don't know if one game builds confidence, but you know, he you know he was DNP coach's decision. You know, two games before that, so we'll see how that goes. But uh, he had a tremendous game on Christmas night at Denver. He had uh, like 30 points. That's the game that Booker got re-injured, and Shaman had to yeah. play in that game. And he was tremendous in that particular game. So at least he's had some success in the in the Denver arena. I think I read he had two 30-point uh, games when Book was out. That was one of them. That was Christmas yeah. night. I remember listening to that game on the way home from the Cardinals Christmas night uh debacle against Tampa Bay. Yeah, I was an usher for the Cardinals for about 10 years. I gave up when uh, they got that new coach. Actually, when uh, what's his name? Steve Wilkes? Quarterback here. Yeah, Wilkes. I quit well, that, that was year. the biggest that was, a, that was one of the worst moves in the history of the franchise. Yeah. How about those Marlins on one Run games. They're eleven and zero this year. They are. It's hard to believe. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I know. Something to remember tonight. Don't get in a one-run game with the Marlins. That's crazy. Yeah, they got a couple decent relief pitchers. Florio has been their closer before, and now they got AJ Puck, 
who used to be a heralded uh, you know, prospect and has had all kinds of uh, injury issues. They got him from Oakland, and uh, Puck's been their closer. And uh, you know, did they win that game by one run tomorrow? Yesterday, I'm excuse me. Yesterday, I quit watching that game at Wrigley because it was going like 14 innings or whatever. But uh, was, you know, we went back and forth to Diamondbacks and that that Cubs game. But uh, and actually, he's getting ready sure. by that time. Five to four Marlins. Okay, so they oh, okay. did win that game by one run. That, yeah, 14 innings is the longest that any game's gone this year. And uh, because of that, the Marlins' uh, bullpen is a mess for tonight, and I assume they're going to have to make some roster changes just to basically have a bullpen that is fully stocked this evening. Yeah. Well, thanks for the call, Tom. We appreciate it, and we'll okay. see how the Suns go uh, in Game 5 back in Denver. It'd be fun. Absolutely. Once again, 602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to join the program here. Uh, one thing we didn't talk about. Oh. One other quick thing about the Marlins. Uh, the Diamondbacks missed Alcantara. Uh, he, he started that game yesterday and uh, pitched into the ninth inning for the Florida Marlins. Or Miami Marlins. I guess they're Miami this year. Florida, <laughs> Miami, the Marlins. The yeah. Marlins, yes. Team from southern uh, South Florida. Uh, one thing we didn't talk about from yesterday's contest with the Suns and uh, Nikola Jokic and the technical foul and the incident with Matt Ishbia, I did want to make mention of Matt Ishbia had put out uh, a message on Twitter this morning that he does not want to see anyone fined or suspended for what happened. So it, that's at least his two cents into what potentially the league might do uh, moving forward with Jokic and uh, uh, that whole mess that took place over there in the corner. That from a man that has more than two cents. So there you go. <laughs> um, uh, I heard, uh, I forgot who it was, somebody last night talking about, it was Steve Smith, I think it was, in the NBA TV, that uh, he flopped on that play. And uh, I don't know if he learned that at Michigan State when he was playing for Tom Izzo or not, but uh, yeah, definite flop on that. So good for Ishby saying that. And for anybody that's suggesting that Jokic should be suspended for the next game, they need to just get a life. and uh, Or leave, you know, they're the biggest Suns homer of all time or just get a clue. Uh, so we'll find out what happens. I could well, you know, I do. It'll be interesting to see if Ishbia's comments do carry some weight because prior to him saying that, I was leaning in the direction that there would be no suspension from the NBA, but there would be a fine. So I'm curious to see if anything that he had to say publicly carries any weight about that. Yeah, it never even crossed my mind that he might be suspended until I heard some of the nonsense on ESPN this morning. It's poll question time on the other side of the break. So still time for you to cash your vote. KDOS1060.com. We're talking about the Suns. They took games three and four at home. So are you surprised that that happened? We'll answer that on the other side of the break. And the Twitter poll question, uh, continuing with the NBA playoff theme, who do you have ATS in Los Angeles tonight? Lakers minus three or Warriors plus three. So still time to vote and we'll answer next. He's Bob Kemp. I'm Kayla Mortolaro. It is the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS 1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Make sure you're downloading the KDOS 1060 app, register and follow along with the various different listener reward options available to you. Poll questions, they're next.
bringing you the latest sports topics weekly right here on KDUS AM 1060 with me, the Doug Gottlieb Show, 1 to 3 p.m. Eleven thirty-eight here on KDOS AM ten sixty. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Let's get to it. That's the KDOS ten sixty dot com poll question. Are you surprised the Suns won games three and four versus the Nuggets? Yes, I am. I wasn't that surprised they won on Friday night, uh, especially after I watched like the first quarter of the game, and the Nuggets clearly didn't show up. Uh, so that wasn't surprising to me, but I was surprised they won yesterday. Um, and the fact that, you know, obviously a lot of things we've talked about, uh, the last couple of hours, uh, you know, there were some unusual circumstances, uh, you know, like the, you know, Landry Shamit, you know, offensive explosion, uh, certainly comes to mind there and again, campaign, not killing them, uh, when he's on the floor. And uh, yeah, he did some good things, and he's had you know, multiple assists for two consecutive games. So I was surprised. And, uh, and one more time, until unless I mention it tomorrow, and I probably will mention it tomorrow during the Sports Zone, that uh, certainly uh, the, the betting market, uh, they were really surprised that the Suns went because there was a massive move in this game, point spread-wise, in favor of the Nuggets. So I spent Friday's show saying how I didn't think that the Suns were going to win game three, that it just kind of was like a mathematical, you know, if Kevin Durant and Devin Booker are able to get their points, where are the rest of the points going to come from? And I was pleasantly surprised that it came from the bench. It was the adjustments that were made, and you had uh, some clutch shooting there at the end from T.J. Warren. Uh, So... I therefore then kind of seeing those adjustments and how uh, they were able to play with the energy that they did in game three. I then thought that game four was a realistic possibility. So I have to answer the question is yes, because I spent Friday saying it wasn't going to happen. Uh, But then once game three happened, I was I was thinking that there was a very good chance for game four to be won. You also. Devin Booker is the real deal. This has been an incredible playoff performances that he's been putting this team on his back. He did it in the Clippers series. He's doing it again, uh, being asked to be the initiator of the offense, being so ball dominant. Uh, he's been giving a ton of credit, though, to Kevin Durant for freeing up some space for him to be able to operate. So he's knocking down shots where he's feeling he's more wide open to be able to do it. So the combination of all of that, he's he knows he has to be the guy and he's being the guy. He's relishing in the opportunity and in the moment and he's making smart basketball decisions as well when uh the defenses are collapsing in on him they're also playing with like this this new speed here uh at least in the last three or the games three and four pushing the pace and trying to force the issue not allowing denver's defense to get set so i think that's kind of been also helping to attribute to why they were able to have success in game three and game four i do have one statistic here for you Devin Booker is averaging 36.8 points per game on 61.7% shooting this postseason. The highest points per game for a player shooting at least 60% in postseason in NBA history is 34.6 points per game on 60.7% shooting. And Kareem Abdul-Jabbar did that back in 1977. 
and he did all that inside. Uh, you know, unless you know the sky hooks are what 12 feet or whatever in his heyday. So uh, you know the fact that uh, you know Booker is uh, doing this for the most for the most part, uh, you know mid range, and he's made a few threes, but he's and he's gotten to the rim. I think the biggest uh, the biggest surprise to me about yesterday is the fact that uh, for a second consecutive game they kind of let him get into the paint at will, whether it was half court or full court, and uh, I would assume that's going to change before at least their approach is going to change before game five. But I thought heading into game four that that would change. And so basically, bottom line, we both answer yes to the question, but we thought that the games would go differently Friday and Saturday. We disagree how the, our, our scenarios were different. Correct, we yes. we got the same answer. <laughs> yeah. The masses are also uh, overwhelmingly here on the yes side of things at 70% of the vote and no trailing at 30%. This is the KDOS1060.com poll question. Flipping this on over to Twitter, at KDOSAM1060, who do you have ATS tonight in in Los Angeles, the Lakers minus three or the Warriors plus three. I guess I'm going to ride here with the the Warriors here. I know that uh, this regular season, they have been bad on the road. They were able to get road victories, though, uh, in that Sacramento series. So I, I think that maybe at this point, Steph Curry and uh, the veteran team that the Warriors are have been able to make adjustments. They've been able to knock down shots when they need it most. Uh, I think the... I don't want to call it the burden, but the burden is really on Steph Curry's shoulders to continue to to kind of elevate this team and bring everybody else else along here. Uh, I think you brought up earlier in the show about whether or not Steve Kerr was going to go back to Kevon Looney in the the starting lineup and see if they could make some adjustments there. But at the end of the day, you know, it's who's able to impose their style, their will on the game and make that be and make that be the way that the game is dictated. The Warriors want to shoot from the outside the Lakers want to pound things on the inside the Warriors don't have the size to match up with that so which style of play is going to win out here I haven't seen enough though from the Lakers to say that they're able to consistently put together two games in a row Anthony Davis has been great then he's been awful and he has yet to do it two games in a row I'm not sure it happens uh, again so I would say Warriors plus three yeah, LeBron hasn't done it for two games in a row very often in the postseason at all either. So I think it's more than just Davis. But clearly, statistically, you can point to Davis. I think the biggest thing to re- for me tonight is, you know, how do the Warriors uh, attack offensively? I mentioned the defensive thing earlier. You mentioned the Looney thing. I think that's a big deal tonight. I would, uh, if I'm Steve Kerr, I'm going back to Looney, assuming he's okay health health-wise, and they seem to think that he was – you know, the whole reason this thing started with the lineup changes because they didn't really know if he was going to make it through game two. Uh, so that's why Jermichael Green suddenly appeared uh, after not playing hardly at all in the uh, first series against Sacramento. Uh, but to me, how are the Warriors going to try to attack? You know, you, I mentioned they won games five and seven at uh, – at Sacramento, obviously that was included the 50-point performance from from Curry, but in those those two games and the game they won in uh, goal in in San Francisco, uh, in this series they've pretty much run the offense through through Curry with a lot of screen roll, and yeah he had uh, you know I think it was just 12 assists in the game two, and uh, 
they uh, seem to get away from that a little bit, which I kind of was surprised about in uh, Game 3. So you know, considering they've had their three best performances of the playoffs when you know it's really been, you know, let's start the offense with Curry and make uh, you know, the opponent, whether it be Sacramento or the Lakers, make them adjust in screen roll situations. And Curry is, you know, has made really smart decisions for the most part. Uh, I think that's a really big deal. Also, the Warriors, you know, when they've lost playoff games for literally about 10 years now, uh, they almost always had high turnover games. And they had high turnover uh, numbers in the game on Saturday. I would assume that uh, they might be paying a little more attention to that in this uh, particular game tonight. So I'm on the Warriors tonight. Um, not financially yet. I'm kind of curious to see what the lineup situation is going to be here. And uh, maybe I will be at that point. And, uh, you know, I would assume that if, uh, you know, they go with, uh, you know, Looney and Green, I'm also at that point I'm guessing that there might be some more money on the Warriors at that point. The masses are barely in agreement. Warriors plus three, 54.5% of the vote. Lakers minus three at 45.5%. This is on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. Uh, this is apropos of nothing other than I saw it scroll across the ESPN ticker, but uh, Boo Booey is returning to Northwestern, and that's a great day because that's another year I get to say Boo Booey in <laughs> March Madness, so that's great. Not that surprised. I'm not really sure how he fits in the NBA. Uh, so we'll see. I'm one of my best friends, or my best friend actually, played at Northwestern and went to Northwestern and follows the Wildcats, uh, the Purple Cats, as he's been known to call them. Uh, so I'm sh- uh, sure that he is happy that he's returning uh, for another year of collegiate basketball. On the other side, we will wrap up this Monday, May 8th edition of Extra Point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you. As always, follow along with us online at kdos1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Be sure you're downloading the app today. Register so you can take advantage of the listener rewards available to you. Final segment, it's coming up next. Hey, Phoenix, Doug Gottlieb here. I'm bringing the best sports talk weekdays to you, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060. Today's Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app, powered by Superbook Sports. Bob, it's thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever, and whatever else sip to the cracks. Also, our guests today, around the NBA with Dan Favell of Bleacher Report, starting off with the Suns and Nuggets discussion. Also, by the way, Tuesday in the Sports Zone, we'll have an Around Major League Baseball segment at 9.15 with Matt Schneider of CBSSports.com. Sound today, courtesy of TNT, ESPN, uh, Bally Sports Arizona, and also LAD 570, the Dodgers flagship station 
for the uh, Dodger highlights with the Mookie Betts home run and the uh, the 10th inning explosion for the Dodgers last night to win the series against the Padres. Special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. Up next right here on KDUS AM 1060, it is Sports Map Radio Network from noon to 1 o'clock, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, the Sports Zoo with Dave Rooster Beerstein from 5 to 6, Monday Night Golf with Ray Adams from 6 to 7, and starting at 7 o'clock, it is James Out West. ASU baseball, uh, they had a really important series against Stanford. It was to decide who was going to be atop of the Pac-12 standings. I would also have to say here that it was probably the most important series that ASU baseball has had since they've been at Phoenix Muni. Unfortunately, it didn't go according to plan. They lost all three games to Stanford this weekend, so they'd have to be pretty disappointed about that. Uh, Stanford now out in front at 18-6. and six. 31 and 13 overall, ASU 14 and 9, 29 and 18, and Oregon State behind at 16 and 11 and 33 and 14 in the standings. And ASU will go to USC this weekend. Yeah, I will add that uh, the regular season is not nearly as important as it used to be because the Pac 12, I think, was the last Major League Baseball conference that had incorporated a conference tournament. Uh, they didn't have one until a couple years ago. And, uh, yeah, so yeah, there was uh, the regular season had uh, far carried far much more, not to be too redundant there, huh? <laughs> uh, more weight in the uh, than other major conferences of college baseball because of the the fact that they didn't play a conference tournament. There is one thing that I wanted to add to our Lakers and Warriors conversation, but it just was kind of inspiration about what happened in game two and game three. And just more or less what I'm hoping for as we continue on in the NBA playoffs so far, rounds one and two have been uh, fairly competitive. And, And this is what frustrated me about the playoffs last year is that while the series were competitive and it would, you know, zigzag back and forth, the games itself weren't competitive. And I get it though, that once you kind of reach a point where you think we're not going to be able to catch back up, you really kind of start to, you either kind of mentally quit, you also physically quit, you you put your your players and you rest them on the bench. So I'm hoping that tonight's game uh, against the Warriors and the Lakers is more closely contested. Absolutely. I mean, I was pretty disappointed in the games the last four days for the most part. Um, Even a couple of the close games haven't been particularly well played. Uh, so uh, hopefully that changes uh, starting tonight. Not so sure that's going to happen in the first game. <laughs> uh, obviously, I've already trashed the Knicks on this show, uh, but you know, it's not like I have. That's the first time I've done that, uh, and they burned me in the first round because I didn't even think they'd beat Cleveland, uh, and that was a massive mistake on my part. But uh, you know, as long as Jimmy Butler is playing, I can't make much of a case for the uh, Knicks winning and. Yeah, Quickly's not a great player, but if he's not going to play, that uh, I think uh, you know reduces the uh, the Knicks' chances of uh, being competitive in this game because he's a certainly a contributing player, even though he's not exactly had a uh, bang up playoffs thus far. Maybe he's been hurt all along. 
Yeah, I uh, conveniently ignored the Knicks and the Heat as being an option for a competitive contest for tonight's game. But uh, it is underway at 4.30 p.m. in the Warriors and the Lakers tonight at 7 p.m. As for the Arizona Diamondbacks, they're facing the Marlins tonight. It's a Zach Gallen start, 6.40 p.m. on Bally Sports Arizona. Um, we'll have to see if he can uh, restart a new scoreless record. Yeah, um, you know, going against his uh, former franchise. Uh, so we'll see how he does. And, uh, you know, the Marlins are the worst offense in baseball, uh, runs per game at least at this point. So uh, uh, you would think that he should do well in this particular game. And, uh, you know, the Marlins, uh, their lineup, if you just look at their lineup, you can understand why they're just not good. Uh, they've gotten – they've actually – Played pretty decent defense for the most part, but uh, and uh, their pitching has been kind of hit or miss, even though their bullpen's pretty good. But now their bullpen is shot since they used everybody yesterday in the 14-inning marathon at Wrigley Field. You know, is there anything that the Diamondbacks could do? Because we were talking about the starting pitching that we've seen Merrill Kelly now put together two good starts. Zach Allen is Zach Allen, uh, but from a starting pitching standpoint, there's some issues there when you get to three, four, and five in the rotation, and then the bullpen as well, and uh, you know, how are you going to survive that? I don't know. Um, the best thing is the National League's not good. Uh, in the expanded playoffs, you have to have certain teams make the playoffs. And uh, right now, if I look at the National League, you know, I think the Braves are the best team by far. I don't know if anybody else, uh, who else from that division, somebody's got to make the playoffs, but who's it going to be? Uh, in the Central, uh, that might be the worst division we've seen in baseball in a long time. Somebody has to make it there, I assume. The Dodgers and the Padres are going to make it, but uh, you know it's not like it's a loaded, uh, you know, loaded league right now. The National League is pretty weak. That'll do it for this Monday, May eighth edition of Extra Point. As always, thanks for tuning in. Hope that you have a fantastic Monday. Whether it's watching some Diamondbacks, watching Knicks at Heat at four thirty, Warriors at Lakers at seven. The Sports Zone with Bob Kemp will be with you tomorrow starting at 9 a.m. Enjoy your Monday. Bob will talk to you then.